Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to the fifth edition. This is uh, our first podcast, episode one. And um, my name is John Perrings. I'm John Montoya. We are uh, both Bay Area authorized infinite banking practitioners uh, located in the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, we're going to focus today on what is infinite banking. And um, let me if, if you don't mind, maybe I'll just start with the definition and then we can kind of t say where it came from. Um, infinite banking is privatized banking at the you and me level to reclaim the banking function in your life using permanent cash value, whole life insurance as the platform. And um, this whole concept came from uh, a man named Nelson Nash who wrote a best-selling book called Becoming Your Own Banker, Unlocking the Infinite Banking Concept. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that, John. Well, we're definitely going to dive into uh, what infinite banking is all about. Uh, the main thing I would say is that uh, first and foremost, for me, it's always been a foundational place for money. And we'll talk about money habits and uh, mastering the use of money, which is something that every individual and family needs to learn how to do. But exactly like how you, you described it, John, uh, I think you nailed it. Uh, infinite banking is, is banking down at the you and me level. And that's something that Nelson would say all the time. And, you know, that definition came from, and, you know, maybe we can just make some quick um, introductions to who, who runs the Nelson Nash Institute, which is where the infinite banking concept, um, that's sort of the central place for people who want to learn about the infinite banking concept. Um, the board of directors over there is, is David Stearns, who is the uh, son-in-law of Nelson Nash, who is now the... Um, the director of the Nelson Nash Institute. And where I got that quote that I just mentioned came from uh, Bob Murphy, who is, a, who is a PhD in economist, and uh, Carlos Lara, who run the um, Carlos Lara and Bob Murphy show. And um, so that, 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 that quotation actually came from the most recent think tank that was held in, um, in Birmingham, Alabama by the Nelson Nash Institute. And the think tank being the place where annually IBC practitioners, authorized IBC practitioners can come together, share best practices, and really um, help, help each other to uh, do things like what we're doing, how uh, you and I have combined to uh, now produce this podcast and uh, get the word out about infinite banking so that more people can find out about it and ultimately uh, follow through on the mission of the Nelson Nash Institute, which is to reach that 10% tipping point. And that tipping point being uh, the inflection point where once 10% of the population learns about infinite banking, understands it, and is practicing it, that's when we start to see uh, the, the mystery of IBC kind of disappear because it's gonna be kind of like how people uh, understand 401ks and, you know, they're, they're conditioned to think retirement and savings and, you know, that, that sort of thing. Well, IBC will, will reach that tipping point where people understand that, well, you know what, I don't need to park money in a bank. 
I don't need to lock up my money in qualified retirement accounts created by Congress uh, where I have no control. Uh, the tipping point is where we begin to master the use of our own money by bringing the banking function down to the UND level. So that is the mission of the, of the Nelson Nash Institute. Um, it is something that you and I are, are dedicated to uh, helping the Institute uh, accomplish. And so that's, that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the other thing about the think tank is um, it's another, when you said get together and share best practices, I think that's a, a hugely important component of it because um, there's a lot of misconception about what the infinite banking concept is. There are a lot of people who use the term infinite banking, but aren't really, um, you know, they haven't really gone through the training that uh, an authorized infinite banking practitioner has gone through and really understands number one, what we're actually trying to do. And number two, how we actually set it up. And so, you know, you have a lot of people out there kind of getting on YouTube, getting on the internet and, and kind of hearing a bunch of noise essentially about what infinite banking is. And so I think, you and I, one of the things we wanted to accomplish with this podcast is to try to uh, bring some clarity into what, what infinite banking is, how it should be used, and, and how you can set it up correctly in your life. Amen. Amen. So in order to do that, though, we, we, have, to, we have to help people recognize that there is a problem out there. And I know for me, um, and, and my history with infinite banking, uh, before I even knew about infinite banking, I just, I, I had that sneaking feeling that there just wasn't something right about the way I was going about accumulating wealth. And I first learned about infinite banking in 2007. And prior to that, um, I had done the same thing that most everybody else does. And that's, uh, put money into 401k, buy mutual funds, uh, you know, keep large amounts of money in the bank because I didn't know where else to put it. Um, just doing all the things that we're told that we should be doing. And I always felt uncomfortable about it because even though it seemed like the, the conventional uh, wisdom, um, because everybody else was doing it, I didn't like where it put me, which was always at risk. And so I had a sneaking, uh, I had a sneaking feeling that there was always something better out there. I just didn't quite know what it was until I came across Nelson's book. And that really changed everything for me. And so the, the, the first thing that we have to help people do is recognize that there is a problem because once people realize there is a problem, then they're going to know what to do about it. I, I mean, I'm in the same boat and, you know, uh, we can just, uh, and you help me get out of there. So out of that problem, you know, the, so for everybody out there, this is John Pairings. John Montoya uh, was my original advisor and helped me um, implement the infinite banking concept in my own life. And then I became so passionate about it that I became a, that I became a practitioner and started doing this, um, you know, full time. And, but the, and I also had that feeling, and so do many of my clients, where in, when I'm talking to them, they actually say that. They, they say, 
you know, I, I just, I never even started a 401k because I just, I don't know, something about it. I didn't really understand it. I didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, I didn't know what the taxes would be when, you know, I didn't understand how the tax deferral piece of it worked. And so there's always that, I think a lot of people have that sort of, as you put it, sneaking suspicion that something could maybe be done a little bit better. And, um, and I, so I, I think that's one of the areas where we help people a lot. Absolutely. And so the, the question is, where is the best place for money to reside? If, if we have that sneaking suspicion that what we're doing isn't the best place to be parking our wealth, the question is, where should we be parking that wealth? Mm -hmm. And in the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, Nelson describes the problem is that all all of our, all the things we're financing are financed by other banking organizations. <laughs> and so that's really, you know, how we're starting to look at that of where we're parking our wealth and who is doing the financing in our life. There's uh, Willie Sutton's law, right? Uh, Willie Sutton was the bank robber and he was asked, you know, why do you keep robbing banks? <laughs> And the answer was because that's where the money is. Right. <laughs> right. And you know what you, you gotta, you gotta first ask yourself, well, what is banking? All right. What, what is the purpose of banking? It's, it's not to, you know, keep our money um, to have a checking account to pay our bills. The, the banks don't earn a profit from our checking accounts. The banks earn a profit traditionally by lending you, me and our neighbors money. And the reason why we have to go to a bank in the first place is because we haven't accumulated capital on our own that we can use and reuse, essentially be our own bank. We have to rely on traditional banks. And so it's no wonder, no matter what town you visit, anywhere in the United States, you go downtown, best, most expensive pieces of property, they're all the biggest buildings in town. And if you look up, you'll see that there's a bank name on pretty much all of them, right? It's because That's the banks right. have the money. That's right. And you, I think you said something very important that because we do not know how to correctly accumulate capital or strategically accumulate it, uh, we have to go to outside sources who do, which are the bank the lenders, the credit card companies. And, you know, it's also interesting, you know, when we put our money in a bank, uh, so we give the bank our money. And then on the other side of it, we're, all, we're also the borrower where the bank is essentially lending us our own money. The bank's not using their money to, to, to issue loans. And so we're, a lot of times we're the same person on both sides of the, of the transaction and the bank's just kind of the person handling the money in the middle. Right. Nelson, uh, Nelson had a, a great way of explaining it where he talked about the, the characters in the play. Mm -hmm. And he said that there were four main characters. You have the, the saver, you have the borrower, you have the employees, and then you have the owners of the bank. And if you think about what, what uh, character we all play in this role, uh, you, you'll, you'll quickly come to realize that we need to be the saver. 
we're definitely the borrowers because we finance all the large expenditures in our life. Um, and uh, for pretty much everyone out there who isn't practicing infinite banking, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to be the owners of our banking system. So you, really what it boils down to is with infinite banking, uh, we can outsource the administration or the employee aspect. And, and we'll touch on that. But we want to be the saver, the borrower, and the owner in this play. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's, you know, um, one of the things I was, uh, I actually just made a post on LinkedIn today is, you know, I think one of the most underrated principles of finance for most people is control. And, you know, when you, so when you talk about characters in the play, that, that a, a lot of that boils down to how much control do you have over what's going on? Absolutely. And I, I think this is where so many, so many people get it wrong. They, um, they give up control, right? We, we're conditioned to outsource the control, access, and use of our money to various third parties. Uh, the best examples are, are uh, qualified retirement accounts because that one simple thing that most Americans do uh, locks up their money for decades at a time. And when, when you lock up money for such a long period of time, it means you're going to be cash poor. And what happens when you have a large expenditure and you're cash poor? Well, where do you need to go? To the traditional banks to get your financing. It's a system that circulates you know, until you are able to create your own banking system, a place where you can park wealth, which is what you and I show our clients how to do and do it the right way, um, this is a never-ending cycle. I mean, you can call it the rat race because that's, that's really what it is. You're on that treadmill and you're, you're locking money up in one place only to have to go and borrow it uh, with rules and restrictions that you don't create from another, from another place. We wanna park money where we have access, it's liquid, it's ultra safe. We know that it's never gonna go backwards with what we're experiencing right now, March, 2020, uh, with the coronavirus and we see what's happening in the stock market. This is a completely uncorrelated asset to anything, um, not just the market, but uh, to the economy in general, and it's always growing no matter what. It's the ultimate peace of mind that Nelson would talk about. Yeah, in addition to that, just from a financial perspective, it's it's a tax-free asset. It has legal protections, creditor protections. Um, it bypasses probate, and then you know one of the mo I think one of the most powerful features, since this is whole life insurance, is uh, again we're talking about cash value whole life insurance or the cash value associated with a whole life insurance policy. Um, well, the, because it has the death benefit, it's also a self-completing account. So, you know, as people are putting money away into their 401k or whatever other investment they have, if anything happens to them prematurely, if they, if they die prematurely, if they get sick or injured um, and they can no longer work, well, contributions to those accounts stop. Whereas the, con the contractual riders in 
inherent in a, in a correctly structured whole life insurance policy assure that that account will complete as planned no matter what happens. The number one thing that you have to understand about uh, the type of whole life that we're talking about is that it's not your grandparents' type of whole life policy. And it's not the type of whole life policy that uh, you have to pay premium on for the rest of your life. It's flexible. And um, well, well, we'll get into it in a future episode, but definitely expand your, your thought horizon on the possibilities of what this very unique product can do when it's structured right, specifically for infinite banking purposes. Definitely. And that, that kind of brings up, you know, if, when I, when I talk to people the I would say the number one reason people don't um, kind of follow through with any kind of interest is they, they've already kind of made up their mind about what whole life insurance is. And so that gets to your point about how it's not your grandfather's life insurance policy. But then when they finally do sort of see the benefits and, and, and the wheels start turning and they, and they, they see the, the opportunity that's in front of them or, or the, uh, you know, the possibilities that, that could happen with it, the, what's the number one frequently um, asked question that we get, um, you know, when people really start to get their eyes open to this? Sure. It's why haven't I heard about this before? Yeah. If this is so great, why isn't everyone doing it? <laughs> that, another version of that. And uh, I, so I don't know what your answer to that is. My answer is, well, a lot of people are doing this. And I'd say the number one owner of whole life insurance out there are the banks themselves. You know, if you take a look at when they, when they take your money and they get a, they earn a profit on that money by issuing loans on it, they take about 25 cents of every dollar and buy permanent guaranteed cash value, whole life insurance with it. They own billions of dollars of whole life insurance. Right. But this is something that no bank uh, is ever going to share with you because they don't want you parking your money with right. life insurance companies. That's right. again, that's not how they make their money. And so when, when people ask me that question, why haven't I heard about this before? You know, that this sounds too good to be true. One of the big reasons why people don't hear about this is because whole life insurance is a life insurance product. It's not offered by wall street. Right. And if you think about those 401ks, the mutual funds that you may own, you know, who sells those? Wall Street. Right. And so your traditional financial planner is going to uh, specialize in portfolios and, and, you know, their expertise is not life insurance. And, you know, the one thing I'll, I'll say as well is that, you know, I don't want to let the life insurance industry off the hook here either. Um, the, the life insurance industry has a sales force that is incentivized to sell death benefit, right? right? And for anyone who is seeking an IBC designed whole life policy, the death benefit is not the primary objective. We need to have it and it is absolutely important because it does so many things, uh, but it's not the main reason why people come to you and me to request an infinite banking designed whole life policy. What they want is the ability to manage their cash flow, to protect their wealth, 
And in order to do that, we need to design a minimum death benefit, maximum cash value type of whole life policy. To come back around, you know, the reason why people don't know about this is because A, uh, Wall Street doesn't sell it, and B, the life insurance industry doesn't focus on training their advisors to, uh, to set up high early cash value policies. So it pretty much is left to advisors like you and me and other authorized practitioners with the Nelson Nash Institute uh, out there teaching people how to do it the right way. Totally agree. And, um, you know, the funny thing is when you set up uh, a correctly structured infinite banking um, life insurance policy, while it's not, it's not capturing, it's not focusing on the initial death benefit, I would argue that the death benefit actually grows to something greater than it would have been uh, with a, with a standard whole life policy in the future, you know, 10, 20, 30 years in the future we actually produce more death benefit for our clients by structuring them the way that we do it with infinite banking. Yep. It's awesome. And, um, you know, it, it, it's pretty fulfilling, you know, for me professionally to, you know, give back that control, liquidity, use protection, self-completing account. And then knowing that down the road, um, they'll have that that much larger death benefit um, the way that we the way that we would structure it as well. And that'll wrap up our first show of the fifth edition. We definitely want to invite you to reach out to us if you have any questions. You can find us at www.thefifthedition.com. Until then, stay safe and happy banking. <laughs>